Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. that mean? What do you want? Are you living the way that you want? Are you living the way that you think you have to? Live your life. Put everything into what you're doing. We're going to pick up here in uh, God Works Through Faith, where he says, what part does the will play in desire? The will, which is an intellectual factor, it's one of our intellectual faculties. There's been a lot of controversy around that, especially in in spiritual communities over the years. There's this connotation of forcing things instead of letting them. It's, there's this whole what's God's will, what's human beings' will. Um, will really just means the ability to hold an idea in your mind uh, and keep it there. Everybody has the ability to do that. I was thinking really early this morning, how difficult, how, how different, not difficult, how different it is to make a transformation in the sense that you know that you know that whatever you, whatever you desire, whatever you hold with your will, whether it's a conscious holding of the will or you've turned it over to that internal desire, will manifest in your life. How different it is to know that you know that versus go through your life with anxiety and worry and fear and doubt that you won't get something, that you won't have it in time, that you're not good enough, uh, that you'll never get there, that, you know, what are you going to do if the powers that be in any given situation or institution do something different to block you, to prevent you from being, doing, or having whatever it is that you want? And I remember living in that place and what that was like every day. And it made me angry, made me very angry. It was part of the reason why I was so angry when I was driving the forklift. The the key that shifted that though, really was the idea of responsibility. Taking responsibility and understanding that we're the cause of what we're experiencing. We're, We're creating what we experience. We, not be, we may not be creating the existential experience, but we're creating our experience, our internal experience, how we react, what we, what we get because of something or what we lose because of something. That's all of our own creation. And it's funny when you... When you get to the other side and you know that you know, you walk around and you see people that are just really having a hard time. And you think to yourself, it's so unnecessary if they just knew that they were the ones that held the key. 
Like really, if they just knew that. And it seems to be the most difficult thing for human beings to get to, to where they actually know that because it really requires that they follow something that they're not trained to follow. That uh, the world is basically barking at from a completely different direction, which is, and that direction is basically everything else has to change so that I feel better. Um, I was watching a gentleman being interviewed the other day, and he was talking about how other people that did things made him feel a certain way. And regardless of what he was told, he still felt that way. But he couldn't get past the idea that he had the ability to change how he felt. He thought the way he felt was an absolute so his only choice in that matter was that other people actually changed so that he felt better, which meant nobody could criticize him. He's a public figure, somewhat. Uh, nobody could criticize him. Nobody could really say much of anything about him without him feeling one way or the other. And the thing is, is that when you stand for something in life, when you uh, put yourself out there, you're seen because you rise above mediocrity in some way. So you're going to get, you're going to get both barrels from both ends uh, on how people react to you. And you have to learn to be solid in who you are. So that's not really uh, something that's affecting you. Like what the hell do you care what other people think about you? But when we're stuck in the place where we do, it's very, very difficult. It comes down to understanding that if we know how to use our will, we can change it because what are we focused on? Am I focused on what some critic about me said yesterday or the day before or a week ago? Is that becoming the totality of how I think about myself? Do I get angry in the idea that I think that the, the critic needs to change the way that they think? so that I feel better? Do I feel pressured that maybe I'm making a mistake because the critic, uh, the critic's voice is so loud in my head? So many people do that, right? Like, just be yourself. Just, just like, who cares? Who cares what other people think? You know in your heart what, what you want, but you can't get there. There's just no way to get there by letting an outside voice uh, dictate how you're going to feel. What part does the will play in desire? The will plays no part in desire. In fact, its only purpose is to determine whether or not you will believe or not. Think about that. Whether you will believe or not. Until the desire has been placed in God's hands and forgotten in absolute trust, you delay the manifestation, which it is his purpose to bring to pass. Proctor used to say to me all the time, stop trying to do God's job. Your job is to decide. God's job is to determine how. But then we get, you know, in our head about that. Well, Great, but I still have to write this marketing campaign. Great, I still have to make sales. Great, I still have to speak to this group of people. Great, I still have to do this work. So, so isn't that the how? 
It's the how insofar as your part is concerned, but who the people are, where it reaches, the opportunities that are opened, that's all spirit that's doing that. We do, we do not will things into being. We will only to initiate action and to start things going. We will to act, to go forward, to achieve, to do more, and to be more. We can, we can achieve only what we will to achieve. We can do only what we will to do. Will does not control faith or mental action, but it does give impetus and push to it. So you, you have the idea, the faith, the image, and that will, your will is the, exer- the exercising of your choice to hold that image, that idea, that decision, that desire in front of you. It's the thing that you're going to do. How many phone calls do you make where people say no and the no itself causes you to start to doubt yourself instead of holding in your mind the idea of the outcome that you want and continuing to make the calls. Now, is there a betterment in that? Absolutely, no question about it. We, there isn't the improvement of skill. There is. But the more we improve the skill, the more we allow God to work with and through us. You know? If you talk to really great authors, if you talk to really accomplished musicians, speakers, they all will tell you some version of when they put themselves in the place to do that work. It's almost like the book writes itself. The song writes itself. The speech comes through them. They get out of the way. But what they've done is through repetition, they've moved all of the doubt and worry out of them in the moment that they're actually exercising their will to do the thing. Why is it that many persons do not realize their ideals? They have not learned to will to believe. They have not learned to think what they want to think. Instead of acting from their own spiritual centers, they act on the beliefs and the suggestions of others. They follow borrowed ideas instead of their own. And their paths are strewn with incomplete and unfinished tasks. You have an idea, and then you get information from some kind of an outside source, and you begin to start to change your mind. Or you don't get the result right away. And you begin to change your mind or think that you can't or that it's not going to happen. It's really important to understand how fragile we are in the, in the midst of the transformation. Because we want the thing so bad, anything that indicates that we can't have it has the ability to kind of set us off in a bad direction. The way to overcome this tendency to drift and wander is to stay put. When you have made up your mind, when you know that your desire is right and spiritually legal, do not allow anything to influence you or cause you to change your mind. 
What happens to faith that is not used? The same thing that happens to tires on an automobile that are not used. To keep the rubber flexible and resilient, the car must be used. So it is with faith. If it is not used, it becomes static and weak. It is like a pool of water that is not agitated. It lacks power. Just as our muscles develop through exercise, faith grows through use. The law says use or lose. Whatever you don't lose, you lose. Now I'll add something to that. Whatever you abuse or don't use, you lose. So think about that. Whatever you abuse or you don't use, we really have a tendency to lose. Where's the fight in there? Well, I think the fight is that in modern society, one of the things that we're raised with is the idea that uh, at some point in time, we, and, and it's, it's, it's really more of a fantasy than anything that's based on any kind of reality whatsoever. At some point in time, we'll actually get to the place where we can stop. And like most people know this is like retirement or some form of that where we can stop and there's not a lot to worry about anymore. Um, I've had people, uh, as I'm getting older, people will say to me, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, retire from what? And, and what would I do if I did? Like it doesn't make, it, it really, when you start to think about it, it doesn't make any sense. I get it from the aspect of, a person that has dedicated their life to doing something that really wasn't in their heart to begin with, but they had to find something to do to be able to create a living and to be um, an honest and, and uh, participating adult in society, maybe raise a family or something, you know, the way most of us are, are really kind of taught to be. Um, they found something that, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I might be good at this. I might be good at being an electrician or, you know, a therapist or, you know, whatever, doctor. Some people have really great careers, but they're, they did it because somebody else suggested to them that they might be good at this or an, an SAT score suggested that they would be good at this. And yet it's not really what it is in their heart. So at some point in their mind, they're thinking futuristically of when do I get to stop doing this and play golf all day or, or whatever, you know, I mean, we all know what the, what that story is we would stop living because what is living? What, living is creating. Living is participating. It's, it is showing up and doing something and, and being part of something, but being part of what you want to be part of. What do you want to be part of? What do you want to participate in? Who are the people that you would like to be around? People do this by the way, also with spouses, you know, it, it's pretty common thing that a person will not actually sit down and say, okay, what kind of spouse or partner in life would I really like to have? And they go through a list of values and ethics and ways of being and all this, and they write it out and they then look, wait 
and look for that person. They don't, don't take the next, just the next person that asks them out or the person that's kind to them or the person that's kind maybe to their situation in life. They're looking for something specific, but we get a lot of pressure from society and, and, and not just society, but our families like, oh, you better find somebody, you're getting older, you know, that type of thing. And, and we find people based on frequency. We find people based on environment. Um, lack of going after what it is that we really want. And we're like, yeah, this person treats me nice. They're nice. I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years where they said that walking up the aisle, they knew they weren't in love with this person. But it was like, okay, you know, this person treats me decent. It's, you know, they settle. They settle for a spouse. They settle for a car. They settle for a house. They settle for a vacation. They settle for a life. They're not living a life. But if nobody ever taught them that, they see everybody else doing that. So that's what they do. I have, a, I have a, a, a friend that I grew up with, a person goes way back to uh, probably when I was about 15 years old, I met this person. And we took very different roads in life. And this is a, is a very good person, a very decent person, but this person constantly lives in the past. Every time I, every time I talk to them, they're, they're, they talk to me about, They'll ask me the same question, like, have you talked to so-and-so? Now, these are people that I worked with when I worked at McDonald's when I was a teenager. It's like, no, I have not talked to these people. I have not. But a lot of people live in that teenage environment in their mind when they didn't have a whole lot of worries. They didn't have a whole lot of responsibility. Um, they started taking on things in their, li in their life that they thought they had to do. And the, the relief for, for them is to look back into the past when they didn't have any worry. But nobody ever taught them that they could create the life that they want. And this person, also when I talk to them, they frequently tell me that they can't wait to retire. And this person's relatively young. Basically the same age as me, relatively young in the grand scheme of things, like a whole lot of life <laughs> ahead of this person, and they can't wait to retire. And if you say, what are you going to do when you retire? They don't know. Is it true that negative thought acts within greater power and rapidity than positive thought? No, it's not. It only seems that way. The force of any thought, whether negative or positive, is always a direct ratio to our faith. If we have more faith in evil than in good, the results will be more negative than positive. Now, perhaps we should think about that today. This is no different than the idea that you will manifest faster anything that's already in your subconscious mind as a belief of value or an experience than something that's not, even though you want it. If it's already in there, you'll manifest it much faster, which then we make a big error when we do that because it, very easily we can go into the place of trying to give that meaning. Well, what does that mean? 
Does that mean that God doesn't want me to have the thing that I want? Maybe I should be staying doing the thing that I'm doing. Maybe I should stay with this person. What does that actually mean? All it means is that you have a little bit more information or experience with that idea or belief around it. Even the, even the external suggestion in your life might be uh, more prevalent than what you truly desire, so it seems to show up quicker. The also, another place where we see this is that let's say you want something that you haven't, it, it's new, okay? It's new, but you don't have a whole lot of negativity around it in your, sub, excuse me, in your subconscious mind. So those things will manifest faster also. And then you'll, then you'll get to the thing, you'll be like, you know, I can manifest people or I can manifest opportunities or I can manifest a car. But when it comes to money, I just, it doesn't happen. And people will say, well, why is that? Well, you have to look at, do you have negativity around those other things? The, the negativity that, we, that most people have around money is hideous. I mean, it's so much, so much. It's everywhere. It's in literature. It's in music. It's in documentaries. It's in movies. It's, it's in our household. It, it, it's in the news. It's, it's everywhere. What are the six steps in manifesting what we want? I'm going to go through these six steps and then we'll wrap it up for the day. The first step is to formulate our desire to see it clearly in our mind. So we keep going over and over that. I mean, that's, that's the first step. It's always the first step. What do you want? What do you want? Now, how often do you want to change what you want? And how many times do you think about what you want? And then because you're thinking about what you want, you're also simultaneously thinking about what you might lose. Several of you have reached out to me and, you, and you're having that problem. You're like, I want this, but then I won't be able to do that. And that's not necessarily true unless they're completely opposing each other right, where you have to let go of a, a thing of a lower nature to gain something of a higher nature, it's not true. What do you want? The second step is to impress with deep feeling upon the subconscious mind and see ourselves accomplishing that thing. See ourselves accomplishing it as if you saw yourself driving a car, not standing outside of the car watching yourself drive the car, but sitting in the driver's seat watching where you're going. Feeling your hands on the wheel. Feeling your foot on the, on the pedals. Feeling your ass in the seat. Feeling the leather or whatever it is, like whatever you're driving. Same thing with the house. Same thing with the person. See yourself with the person that you want to be with. See that in your mind's eye. Great conversation, great sex, great traveling, great companionship. If it's a business partner, see the ideal partner that you want. Impress it with deep feeling upon the subconscious mind. Here's a question. What's the feeling that you're impressing it with? Ask yourself that. Like if I'm reading this, I remember when I was reading this stuff for the first time and it would say something like that with deep feeling upon the subconscious mind. Okay, well, what feeling should I be 
feeling. One is the feeling of expectation, the feeling of gratitude. Those, those are indications that it's already here. Feelings of joy and love and excitement and enthusiasm. The third step is to exercise our faith by accepting the desire as fulfilled. Now, this one is vitally important. You have to see yourself as if it is already done. Remember what it said earlier in this book. If you say tomorrow, God says tomorrow. If you say next year, God says next year. If you say now, God says now. It is done unto you, as you. Think. The fourth step is to keep our feeling and thinking moving with our desire. To keep our, to keep our feeling and thinking moving with our desire. We want to keep all of it together, right? The thoughts, the emotions, the desire of what we want. Keep it nice and clean and moving in the right direction. I keep saying that, you know, once you have the vision, the vision dictates who you need to be every day. It shouldn't even be an option anymore. Because when you, when you leave it open to being an option, you create major issues for yourself. There's all different kinds of things that are going to come your way that want to take you off track. And the idea is that you want to stay on track. So I need to build this vision in my mind, and then I need to look at how I'm living my life. And then I need to sit down and be, okay, who do I need to be for the fulfillment of this vision? If you wanted to be an Olympic athlete, how would you need to structure your life to be an Olympic athlete? Like every minute of every day, would be accounted for. There would be no time or space that you could create something that would be the antithesis of that athlete, right? You only have so much time to train. You only have so many meals that you can eat. You only have so much time to sleep and rest. You don't have time to, like if you, if you have to be really strict with your diet, Every time you say, screw that, I'm going to have a pizza tonight, it sets you off course. It puts you further away from the goal. You need every single feather in your cap on the day of that competition. And that is made up of all the decisions that you made between the moment you decided to be an athlete and when you actually performed the task. It's the same thing with everything that we do. Who do I need to be to win the life that I want to live? We're raised with the idea that, oh, you're taking yourself too seriously. You don't need to do that. Come on, loosen up a little bit. Is it really going to make a difference? Yes, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. The fifth step is to order our conversation aright, to speak always in terms of expectancy and fulfillment. We're back to the word again. 
I've been overly criticized for being too focused. Of course you have. Of course you have. Why do you think your environment is so important? When you have people around you that are constantly criticizing you, making comments, teasing you, whatever they're doing, because you have a goal with your life, it's very dangerous to let that stuff in your head, folks. Very, very dangerous. Because it already harmonizes, here's the problem, it already harmonizes with the part of you that think that thinks that you can't. The part of you that where your self-esteem is not up to snuff yet. You know, you're working on getting every part of your, your being to the place where it's like, I can do this. And then somebody's in the background making comments. And if you're not consciously rejecting those every time they make that comment, you're subconsciously accepting it. And it starts eating away at your value system for yourself. You, you have to, you know, I often say an alcoholic uh, doesn't get sober hanging out in a bar. You can't stay in an environment that does not support where you're going. And that doesn't mean that people are necessarily bad. They just don't know any better. They don't know this. They don't know what you're learning and studying. They don't have an ambition for their life to, to be something better. They don't see why they should. The sixth step is to carry our desire into action, to act as if it were already fulfilled. To act as if it were already fulfilled. I act every day as if it were already fulfilled. I make decisions based on that idea. I don't make decisions based on how much money we have or how much money we don't have. There are decisions that are based on those things, but where we're going, Steph and I don't make decisions that way. If we need to hire somebody, we hire somebody. We don't think about well, how are we going to pay this person? We don't need to know how we're going to pay the person until we hire the person. Decisions are made as if they were already fulfilled. That's it. That's how you get it. That's how it happens. The knowledge, the ideas, the opportunities, the resources, the results, everything comes to you when you make the decision to act as if it's already fulfilled. Every single day, act as if it's already fulfilled. If the people were going to say yes, you, how do you act as if it's fulfilled? You ask every day. You ask for the sale. You ask for the sale. You ask for the sale. For those of you that, that, are, that are thinking to yourselves, I'm doing this and it's not happening, ask yourself, what are you not doing every day as far as step six goes? Are you making the calls, knocking on the doors, asking for the appointments? meeting with other individuals, learning what you need to learn? Are you doing all of the pieces to the very best of your ability every single day? I'll guarantee you you're not. I guarantee you you're not. This is not, well, maybe it will work. It works every single time if you show up and do it. And in the grand scheme of things, when you look back on this, you're going to be like, it really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that hard. It, it, once I decided to get out of my own way, it just started happening. And for those of you that are already experiencing that, you know, you see it happening in your life right now. You're like, my life's already different than it was 30 days ago. To carry our desire into action to act as if it were already fulfilled. Really think about that one today. 
Are, am I acting as if it were already fulfilled? I hope you all have a magnificent today. And remember, live your life to the fullest. You only get one bite at the apple, my friends. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.